It's time for Heat Wave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heat Wave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. All right, everybody, Las Vegas, it is Heat Wave Sports. It's the Super Sunday Night Show. I am Tom Barton from TomBartonSports.com. Chris Wynn is joining me tonight, and what a slate of games we have to talk about. I previewed this last night when I said we had so many three-point spreads out there. It was going to be a good day, and wow, this is one of the more fun days of football that I can remember. Whether you're on the winning side of the games, losing side of the games, entertaining is certainly what they were. I've bashed the NFL for a while now, uh, talking about parity and how they want parity. Today is the kind of day uh, that they absolutely love. We're going to get into all of the game reviews, but we're also going to talk about the playoff scenarios, which are so vast. And again, that's what the NFL wants. The NFL wants guys like us talking about playoff scenarios endlessly with only three weeks to go. And that's exactly what they're going to get. So we're going to get into the game reviews. In hour number two, we're going to talk about the playoffs. I'm going to gloat because I did tell you guys about the Buffalo Bills. We're going to ask the question, is Miami fixed? Was it a one-off? I don't know. They got a huge game next week. We'll look forward to next week's games as well. San Francisco and Baltimore. Do we already have a Super Bowl kind of set? Timmy wins the Timmy teaser. We'll talk about that as well as the Monday Night Football Preview. If we have time, I want to get uh, Chris's opinion on the Central, the Royals and Tigers making moves, but of course, on Otani and Will Yamamoto sign as well. Also, get in touch with you guys. Look, it's at HW Sports over on Twitter. It is at Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter. It is Christian Wynn over on Twitter as well, or 876-1340. But before we do that, let me welcome on Chris. How you doing tonight, my man? I'm doing great, Tom. Good to talk to you. Of course, uh... Heat Wave Sports out there as well, too. Hey, you want to talk about the, the pigskin getting started already? They kicked off, obviously, on Thursday night here in Vegas. Tommy, right, with a matchup of two AFC West teams. And, of course, uh, the second uh, tandem of general managers and head coaches end up getting shown the door after that tilt on Thursday. And then, of course, it is the first week in which we have the Saturday matchups, right, when it comes to the NFL now that uh, college football is – is cranking up the bowl season. season. So, therefore, uh, therefore, it opens uh, up a window window for some NFL football on Saturday. And, of course, as uh, you pointed out here at the top of the show, Tommy, all kinds of action on your Sunday when it comes to... I talked about uh, some of the the big big stories when it comes to the world of baseball and in other sports. In other sports. It's another... For us to gear up for, to gear up for some Sunday action. You know, Chris, I, I, I like to start off with what we just watched. And I am left with questions after we just watched. Look, for full disclosure, um, you know, look, I, I have been in a funk the last five or six days. One of the worst funks in Tom Barton sports. But today, I absolutely knew that Baltimore was winning this game. Talked to you guys about it last night. Uh, and I, I look, I, I had Baltimore, I had the Bears, I had the Rams over. I'm back to to feeling good. But the Ravens, even in a win, I, I'm left with questions. 
I'm left with a lot of questions about not only the Ravens, but also the Jaguars. Look, I keep hearing Super Bowl preview and, you know, Baltimore's going and here we go. And I'm sitting back and I'm saying to myself, look, the Jaguars were in that game. The Jaguars lost 23-7 tonight. They lost 23-7 going and out, going out there and missing two kicks, okay? Uh, you could say, really, they should have got at least nine points there, maybe as many as 14 with the fumble inside the red zone. They were able to move the ball on the Ravens. The touchdown in the back of the end zone with Ingram was clearly a touchdown, oh, by the way. Uh, so I was on the Ravens here. I don't want to bash them, but I was on the Ravens, and it seems like everyone's saying it's a clear-cut favorite in the AFC right now. Yes, they're the number one seed. Yes, they got a win on the road on in prime time, which is not an easy feat. But don't act like they blew the Ravens, uh, the Jaguars out of the water. This game was a lot closer than it looked. This was a game where I was generally concerned. I was laying three. I was generally concerned all night that the Jaguars could move the ball at will. And this is without Christian Kirk. I look at this Ravens team, and I left this game with questions. I left this game with questions and said, look, they held them to seven. That's great. But could they do it again? Right? I mean, is the Jacksonville Jaguars kicker going to miss it twice again? Are they going to go for it in bad spots like Doug Peterson did? Are they? Are the officials, remember, the officials on the broadcast itself said um, he absolutely disagreed with them. Are they going to take away a touchdown that would have made it a, a nail-biting kind of, kind of game? I don't know. And I, I just look at this Ravens team and I say, I have questions still. Glad they got the win. Glad I cashed in my money. And then the Jaguars, you have to ask yourself, are they the same team without Christian Kirk? Are they ready to make that next leap? You know, Trevor Lawrence um, gets a lot of flack. After five years in the league, Peyton Manning had three playoff games. All right, that's it. And no playoff wins. So I still, still think that the book is out on him. I liked a lot of the throws that he made, but it does show you that he needs everything to kind of work perfectly. Everything has to be working perfectly to beat the elite teams. Jacksonville just isn't an elite team, but now I have to ask myself, are the Jaguars even going to make the playoffs? Are they going to win this division? And I'm not sure. So while I watched the game, I cashed my ticket. I looked back and I said, okay, you know, the Ravens are the number one seed, but I found myself continuously asking questions about both teams that I don't feel was answered over the course of that game. How'd you feel about this one? Well, uh, well, to steal uh, a line from steal Ricky line. Bobby, Tom Barton, Tom Barton. Uh, here's uh, the deal, here's my friend. You talked about, uh, talked about these two teams completely going, going in different directions. Different that's what's happening, that's right? What's happening, Jacksonville, right? Jacksonville, Jacksonville and Baltimore. And you're talking about the Ravens, about right? The Ravens, this is a team that's won four in a row. Moved to a step closer to kind of securing that number one seed and home field advantage throughout the AFC playoffs. When it comes to Jacksonville, right? Lost their third straight, all against AFC North teams. And basically, fell into a tie with Houston and Indianapolis atop the AFC South. This is a Jaguar team that is just not afraid, Tom Barton, to make mistakes. They are the definition of self-inflicted wounds all over the place. And you mentioned about this game that Jacksonville was in it. Absolutely they were in it. It was a 10-7 game, right? Until Gus Edwards gets that touchdown and puts Baltimore up 17-7. And, I mean, look, this is, you know, this is one of those deals. Where, where uh, you know the Baltimore uh, Ravens, Ravens, quite frankly, they're just a better team than Jacksonville. Jacksonville. I I mean, obviously, I'm being captain obvious when I say that. that. But uh, But, uh, they just seem to be able to make big plays when they need to make them, and it's 
from the likes of guys like you know Isaiah Likely, you know people like that. So, look, there's no question that when I take a look at the AFC, I think right now, even with the likes of the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills and and some others, I think right now Baltimore is clear to me. They are the best team in the AFC right now, and I think it's not beyond the realm of possibility to think that they should be considered to maybe play the likes of a San Francisco when it comes to the Super Bowl in Vegas coming up. Yeah, I look at this team and I go. They have earned the number one seed. I get it. Yeah, you know, they're, and I mean, it's not like I wasn't on them, you know, so this isn't a, somebody's going to, you know, someone's going to call up or write, oh, come on, you just don't like, it. no, no, no. Look, I was on this team. Don't think I wasn't on this team. Um, I was on the team that tonight. I was on the team before the year. I just start to look at this Ravens team and I go, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It was a nice performance. It was a nice win that the number one seed. I think that the gauntlet might come back and catch them. Look, Keaton Mitchell went down today. That's another big loss. It's like the black hole once you become a Ravens running back. I think that's a big loss. And I just didn't love what I saw in the secondary over the course of the day. Next week, obviously the huge matchup. Ravens are now getting anywhere, depending on where you're shopping, four to five points on the road against San Francisco. We'll get into what San Fran did. But the Ravens, uh, look, bookmakers are kind of like me. You know, they're, they're not believing them, which means, look, if it's four or five, that means the, the Niners would be a favorite on a neutral site. Uh, meanwhile, the Jags go take on Tampa Bay, small line there. I'm going to say this now. I think it's a must-win game for the Jags. I get it that they have the, the two tiebreakers and everything else. You cannot go out there in playoff season during, you know, during a, a push here in December and lose four games in a row and expect to be taken seriously. I think it's a must-win game for the Jags next week. The Ravens, obviously, it's a tough road game. Yeah, look, Trevor Lawrence, yeah, look, he throws Trevor for, Lawrence you know, over 260 in this game, and he had that touchdown to ball Avenue. But uh, those turnovers are uh, just turnovers monstrous, weren't they, Tommy? I mean, you're talking about, uh, especially the one in the fourth quarter there, that basically sealed, the, you know, the Ravens' eighth victory in the last nine games. So uh, apparently Trevor Lawrence was placed in the NFL's uh, concussion protocol after this tilt and was not allowed to speak to the media at all. So uh, you talked about uh, the injuries when it came to the Ravens. Uh, it's not just Keaton Mitchell. Tommy, obviously, Tommy, obviously uh, you know, uh, when you have your starting left tackle, Ronnie Stanley, uh, out with a concussion, uh, then, of course, you talked about the secondary. It uh, appears yeah, that uh, Marcus that, uh, Williams has a groin issue as well. Too. So uh, this is not uh, a Ravens team Ravens that will come out of this game, out despite the fact they had the W unscathed. So we'll see how they're able to adjust to that as they take out the 49ers next week. You mentioned the Niners. Let's talk about what they did today. They put up 45 points, beating the Cardinals 45-29. I spoke about this last night for a, and, you know, I used the, uh, you know, I used the line that I, I gave tribute to last night um, because it was such a great line. There are no such things as chops and squares, uh, right? Um, there's a, a, no such thing. Come on. Can we stop with the sharps and squares nonsense? And, and uh, Rob gave me the line and we talked about it. And, you know, you look at this and you go, this was a game that was perfectly set up for the quote-unquote, I'm doing air quotes on the radio, sharps out there. Road game, double digits, team after a bye, division game. 
And I said, I just can't take the Cardinals because of how good the Niners are right now. You have to look at the Niners almost in a different kind of light. And you have to look at this as they're just a different team. So they go out there. They put up 45 points. Now they've done, here's what they've done since the bye week. Okay. They won by 31 against Jacksonville, put up 34 points. They won by 13 against Tampa Bay, put up 27. 31 against Seattle in Seattle, won that one by 18. 42 against the Eagles, they won that one by 23. Came back and played Seattle, again, division opponent, uh, put up 28, won by 12. Just went into Arizona, put up 45, won this game by 16 points. They're routinely beating teams by double digits, routinely going out there and putting up 30s, 40 points. The Niners are a steamrolling machine right now. And you look at the rest of their schedule, the Ravens present a problem, but the game is at home. And, and then, you know, you got Washington and the Rams. The, the Niners are establishing themselves like we used to watch the Colts, like we used to watch the Patriots, like we've watched these teams in the past. They are establishing themselves as not only are we the clear-cut best team in the NFC, the clear-cut best team overall, we are just steamrolling our way to bigger and better things. I can't speak enough about how good this Niners team has looked since the bye week. Yeah, this is a yeah, team that was, team what, five was and five three at one point this season. Of course, they had that, you know, uh, that you know, group of games uh, that they had lost early on in the season. And now they've rattled off six straight. It's always a good thing, right? When your key guys are stepping up big time, and that's the case. With Christian McCaffrey, he gets in the end zone multiple times. You've got Debo Samuel able to get to the end zone multiple times. Brock Purdy goes back home, basically, right? 45 minutes from where he grew up. His first opportunity to play in that stadium as a San Francisco. Go 49ers, so uh, he took advantage, so, uh, advantage of that as well, too. As well too. And, uh, and, uh, and, and by the way, and, and it's, by it's, the way also great it's also great too to have Javarius Ward, Ward with two interceptions, including that pick six in the first quarter as well, too. So, you talked about the that's what this team has been, right, Tommy? It's been dominant. I mean, you're talking about a team that's what won all of their games by at least 12 points, and you want to talk about dominance? How about Winning 12, 12 straight games straight in the division, in the division Tom, Barton, Tom Barton, in the, in NFC, the West. NFC West. That is putting that your is mark putting your on your division. Your division. That, that is you flexing, flexing your muscles in your division. In your division. And that's, uh, and that's something, uh, that's something that's clearly evident with the San Francisco team. And a big key for them is just balance, right? I mean, they have, you know, we're talking about top-tier defense as well as offensively. They're able to be pretty explosive as well, too. That is a tough combination. For the, the, their for opponents, the, their opponents uh, in this regular uh, season. This regular and then, of course, season, as you look forward to the playoffs. Chris, just the feel of this team, just the eye test of this team, not mm-hmm. go back and dig through numbers. And, and look, let's let's get at it, the analytics mindset. Just the feel and the eye test of this team. Don't they remind you of those dominant Patriots teams? I'm talking like the Randy Moss teams. Because, yeah, Kansas City's got some championships, but they always were, like, bad against the spread. And, you know, they had the games where where they just pulled it out and they needed Mahomes late. Uh, the Rams, when, when they were good, yeah, they were really good. But, again, not that pure dominance. This team reminds me of those Randy Moss-type New England teams where it's just beatdowns every single week. Yeah, obviously, yeah, when you obviously, take a look at that and think about that, the dynamic's a little bit different, obviously, when you have 
you know, the greatest quarterback of all time on your team. And I don't think anybody is under the delusion that Brock, you know, that Brock Purdy is anywhere near that level yet. So that's kind of the difference. Yet! That's that's something I would say that's just a little bit different, you know, as far as the, the feel when it comes to those Patriot teams. But, yeah, no question, back in 2007, right, uh, Tommy, when you're talking about those Randy Moss teams that were dominant, I can absolutely see kind of the comparison. But uh, uh, we shall see. Look, I mean, this is a Niners team that has not won a Super Bowl in a while, right? So, uh, you know, it's it's we're, we're going we're gonna to see if the rubber meets the road here. And if, uh, and if uh, you know, if, if the squad's able to get it done, Done, then uh, that's going to be a big uh, step forward big to step uh, kind of solidifying, solidifying, you know, their you know, their, their early their legacy early when it comes, legacy to when it comes to the NFL. Yeah, I mentioned the Rams. They get a win today, 28-20. Um, I, I had the team total over. Glad they went for two, <laughs> which was which was crazy. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know why they went for two, but I'm glad that they did. They get a win at home. I thought it should have been better. I thought it should have been more defined. There was a chance for the commanders to kind of come back in this game. Uh, the Rams missed a couple of field goals themselves. They kind of pulled their, their foot off the gas. But, man, can't can't deny what Matthew Stafford's done. 4-3-3 and today two touchdown passes. Cooper Cup over 100 yards. He looked huge. Uh, Puka still is out there. Kyron Williams makes this team different. And the Rams suddenly are a team where you're going – Am I starting to believe? Well, I think I am. I said this in the preseason, and it didn't happen early on, but I still believe in certain things in the NFL. I still believe if you have a superior coach, and I might not like him, but McVay is a superior coach, and you have excellent quarterback play. It doesn't have to be elite. Well, Matthew Stafford is doing that. You are in the game, and you have winners. Aaron Donald's still on this team. Cooper Cup's still on this team. Stafford's still on this team. McVay's still on this team. They still have guys that know how to win. And with the NFC is so weak like this, they had to win this game. They had to put their imprint on this game. And they did exactly that. And let me tell you something. I watched every minute in this game because I had the over, okay? They should have won this game by 50. I mean, they were cruising in this game. If you go back and you look at, uh, you know, the box score, it was 3-0 out of the first quarter. Yeah, it was 3-0, but... They were inside the 20-yard line, missed a kick. They should have got a touchdown. Then it was 17, uh, I mean, uh, 13 nothing at the half. That absolutely should have been well into the 20s. Uh, you know, so you look at the game and you go, it could have been a lot more. I like what the Rams were doing. I thought that they should have done more today against the Commanders. But, hey, a win is a win. Gets back to 500. Washington, meanwhile, they're playing out the string. They pulled Sam Howell in this game, which made no sense to me. It's not like... Howell was the reason they were losing, right? Let's be honest. But Brissett came in. He looked good. Commanders are playing at the string. What the commanders told me today, Chris, is that Sam Howell is not the guy, that Eric Bieniemy is not the guy, that Ron Rivera will be fired, and I think a complete cleaning of house in Washington is coming down the pike here. Well, the magic elixir well, the for the elixir Los Angeles Rams, Rams today was this just was atrocious, atrocious pass defense, defense that, the that the Washington Commanders put out there. I mean, it's just absolutely the worst in the league. So Matthew Stafford, of course, as you pointed out, uh, ends up, uh, you know, hitting a wide open Cooper Cup on that one play, you know, down the sidelines completely. 
and uh, you know Demarcus and, uh, Robinson you know, got in the mix too as well through the air with them. And and look, Kyron Williams, credit to him. He shakes off those two lost fumbles, right, and ends up with having a having a big day, 152 yards rushing and a touchdown to Los Angeles as well too. And you know, and then the Rams on the defensive side of things get that late stand to kind of shut down that comeback that the Commanders were able to get behind Jacoby Brissett. And when when it's all said and done, said Tommy, done, here's Tommy, the deal, right? The Rams, the Rams uh, fourth win uh, in five games. Five games. They kind of, you know, forced their, their way into the NFC playoff picture. This is a team, Tommy. This was a team that was what three and six, you know, you know, back in mid-November, and people were saying it's a it's an also ran kind of remodeling type season, and now they're you know a team that has one of the three wild card spots along with Minnesota New Orleans, which will which will be at SoFi Stadium in four days. So. Uh, I have to say, I, I mean, I'm, say, I'm, I'm a I'm little bit surprised, surprised that the Rams were kind of able to work their way back into the mix when it comes to the NFC. Yeah, I'm I'm not surprised only because of their pedigree. I, that's the only reason. It's the only thing that's keeping me away, you know, uh, that, that I'm not surprised only because of their pedigree. Uh, you turn around and you look next week and, and you go, okay, Rams got to keep winning, right? You're 500, you got to keep winning. We'll talk about playoff scenarios in hour two. Yeah, you have to keep it going. You have to keep it rolling. Well, they play Thursday night. So there, there's a quick turnaround here. They play in just a couple of days, and they're a four-point favorite. But here's the thing. They're back at home. So, you know, they get that comfortable part of their schedule. The Rams at home, to me, are just a different team. You get this team on the road. You get this team outdoors. I don't have any faith in them. I, I just don't. I, well, by the way, we could say that about a couple of teams. I just don't have any faith. They take on the Saints. That'll be an interesting one. And then, you know, Washington, they're playing out the string. You said it. They have the fourth overall worst passing defense in the league. And that was including when they had Sweat and Chase Young. Since then, they have the worst. But they're playing the Jets. Now it's going to be in New York. It's going to be Christmas Eve. The Washington Commanders getting three and a half. But the Jets, this might be the perfect team for Washington because they can't throw the ball. So interesting matchups there. One last game here, Chris. Um, before we take a break. And it was billed as the game of the day. It was assumed to be the game of the day. I told you guys a couple of weeks ago, I'm gloating a little here, Chris. I told you on on Twitter I was going to gloat. I'm gloating. Because a a few weeks ago, when everybody thought that the Bills were dead and buried, I took a shot at 50-1 to for them to win the Super Bowl. And we talked about it on the air. And I said, not only is Buffalo going to win out, they are going to win this division. And I got a lot of pushback there. Now, look, they did not win out because I said this before the Jets game. They didn't win out. They lost to the Eagles in a game where they should have won. They went to their bye week. They went into KC. They won. They took on Dallas and won. They didn't only win today. They absolutely humiliated the Cowboys. Not by the final score, which was big as it is. By what they did. They said, we have Josh Allen, the best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I said it. That we have... Stephon Diggs. We have this great passing attack, but we found out that Dallas is soft. We feel Dallas is weak. We feel we're just going to run all over this team, and that's what they did. There was no nothing fancy in Buffalo today. Don't tell me high winds. There was not high winds. It was supposed to be. There wasn't. Don't tell me terrible weather. It wasn't terrible weather at all. This was what you wanted to see from the Bills. This was something that Everybody for the last three years said, if the Bills had it, 
They're the best team in the NFL. And they had it today. James Cook ran this ball down the throat of the Dallas Cowboys. And they told him they were going to do it. He ran it 25 times for 172 yards. Johnson ran it nine times for 54. Allen, of course, got his carries. 49 rushes for 266 yards and three touchdowns. Dallas had no answers in any way, shape, or form. And oh, by the way, let me also point out that the Buffalo Bills not only were without two guys that they lost for the year in White and Milano on defense, for this game, they didn't have Micah Hyde. So yeah, this was a a weaker defense than we've seen Buffalo have all year. They shut down Dallas because I think they ripped their hearts out and they showed it and they exposed it to everybody. Smash mouth, play tough, shove the ball down their throats, and they cannot beat you. Buffalo playing a different style, and I loved every minute of it today. Yeah, you can't overstate, yeah, you can't uh, overstate. the running game the running for the game. Buffalo Bills Buffalo on this tilt, right, Tommy? Still, right, I mean, Tommy. you're talking about James Cook going James left, Cook right, left, up the right, middle, up and around. Up and around. And it, was it was hilarious, too, because, because Josh Allen postgame Josh talks about it, says, talks like, about he felt like, like a kid that didn't like do anything at a class project, but got an A after throwing what for nine yards. He did have a touchdown passing and one rushing. But uh, he also commented, saying, look, I'll do this 10 times out of 10, man. Like, keep it going. And this is one of the quarterbacks. One of the quarterbacks he's one of the top, you know, scoring quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, Allen ended the week with, what, 35 total touchdowns. Jack Prescott on the other side of things was first with 28 passing touchdowns. And uh, it was just the James Cook show without question. 179 yards rushing on the ground, 221 from scrimmage. Uh, both clear eyes, obviously, for him. A couple of touchdowns as well, too. And this is a Bills. Team, hey, Bills team, one hey, consecutive game for the first time, what, since that three-game winning streak ended on October 1st, and, uh, and uh, now they're right there now they're when it comes right to that playoff right picture with Denver and Pittsburgh. But, uh, Pittsburgh. but uh, and, and they, by the way, it was, was impressive, too. You do it against a team that, you know, has just been flat out winning left and right as far as the Cowboys are concerned. So, and I know we're going to talk about playoffs as you pointed out in hour number two, but, you know, this is a NFL's top scoring offense that was limited to a field goal, Tom Barton, a field goal through the first 57 minutes of the game. And look, this is a Cowboys team. Let's face it. When they're playing at home, they're unbeatable. They are unbeatable. They're 7-0, right? And they outscore their opponents by, you know, you know, well over, well over uh, 170, uh, 170 points. points. But uh, on the but, road, uh, it's a different story, man. Story, man. Uh, you're talking uh, about you're a team that's three, three and four on the road, and uh, they've been and, uh, outscored on the road as well, too. So they're going to have to figure that out when it comes to playoff time. But make no mistake, it was I was kind of shocked by the final score. I was not surprised that Buffalo won because the results of the dynamics of it, right? You're playing outside in Buffalo, in the elements. You've got that. Crowd, that there, crowd there, up up there, up, in, up there uh, in, uh, in upstate New York, in, New York, in Western New York, Western and, it's, New York uh, and it's it's uh, rowdy, it's rowdy, not exactly, not exactly uh, you know, uh, super cowboy super friendly cowboy to say the least. To say the least. But uh, but uh, this was damn this was impressive. Damn impressive. How well, how much how well, Buffalo, how much uh, Buffalo uh, has laid the wood, laid the wood to the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, and Dallas, you have to look at. You said it, 7-0 at home. They're averaging over 40 points per game at home. It's unbelievable. On the road, a completely and utterly different team. They are under 500. They're not only losing to teams like Buffalo. They lost to Arizona on the road. 
They are averaging, guys, 20 points less on the road than at home. 20 points less. I mean, that, that is just simply unreal. And you look at this Dallas Cowboys, and this is a copycat league. We know that. And the copycat's uh, formula says, run it down their throats, right? I mean, everyone's going to go out there and do that. And you, you look at next week, and you look at the matchup against the Miami Dolphins, the premier matchup of next week. The Cowboys are a rude favorite against a team that is running the ball well with Mostert. I know we all think of Tyreek and Waddle. No, it's Mostert. It's a Chan. They can run the ball. The formula is there. This is going to be a real interesting week of preparation to kind of prepare this team for what people are going to bring all the way into the playoffs. As far as the Bills, well, they got a game uh, on the 23rd, so you know, it's a shorter week for them. They have to go on the road. Okay, they are 10-point favorites opening up against the Chargers. It's not going to be Justin Herbert. The Chargers have fired their head coach. There's turmoil there. There's shakeup there. All kinds of things are going on. Buffalo coming off of a big high. They know they got big games in front of them, but this is a must-win. You know, you cannot let your guard down here. This is not a team you could take lightly. They still have talent in James and Mack. They still have talent, uh, you know, with a guy like Eckler there. You cannot, cannot, cannot take this team lightly. The Bills don't have that luxury anymore. And I'm not talking about to lose the game. I'm talking about take the game lightly at all. If Buffalo doesn't win and cover the spread, you have to question what's going on in Buffalo. That's a serious situation. They have to crush the Chargers. This is what they have to do. All right, you have to go into this game with the same mentality that you came into this game against Dallas. You have no let up. There's nothing that can go wrong here. Your entire season has been bad bounces, bad situations. You should have won three games. Let's just be honest. The Buffalo Bills um, should be riding high as the best team in the league right now. If you go back and you look at the fluky losses that they had against Philadelphia, where we all know that wasn't a real loss, right? Against Denver, two-point loss there. Let's just get real with that. Against the Patriots and then against the Jets even on opening night. I mean, they could have four more wins. We could be talking about a you know 11 or a 12 win Buffalo team at this point. That means that ball isn't bouncing your way. You cannot take the Chargers lightly at all. All right, guys, let's take a quick timeout. We'll come on back. That's the late games. We'll talk about the early games and our number two playoff scenarios, a lot more. All that and more right after this on Eat Wave Sports. Now back to Heat Wave Sports with Tom Barton. All right, guys, welcome back. Heat Wave Sports, Tom Barton from TomBartonSports.com here with Chris Wynn. And we are talking all of the games that went on in the NFL today. I got to tell you, you know, I've said it before. I will tell you when I am having a bad stretch. Chris, I just got off of the worst five-day stretch. I had to go back to look at the records. The worst, uh, really six if you extend it because I went one and one on six days. So the worst six-day stretch I've had in eight years at Tom Barton Sports. I went back. The last time I had a losing month was April 2019. That I had a month where I, I was not profitable, okay, in some way, even if it was, you know, for 100 bucks. Uh, it was 2019 April. I, I, I am coming off of a bad week. Today, I thought it was all going to go bad again. I had the Bears plus the points. I was feeling good. I said, okay, here we go. And, and uh, listen, I wound up. I had the Rams over. I had the Ravens. So it wound up being an okay day. Um, but I had the Bears plus the points. I knew that you had the Browns. 
I tried to, I said, oh no, last night. I said, oh, oh boy, I, I don't want to talk him out of it, but man, I'm I, because I was so cold or else I would have texted you and said, get off of this game. Um, but I had the Bears. They were fully in control of this game. This was a game where I thought that the Bears should have even been tacking on more. Their defense was exactly what I thought that the Bears defense was going to be. And lo and behold, Bears lose 2017. Joe Flacco drives them down the field. Um, for a lot of people, it wound up being a push. For the people that did have the three and a half, wound up being a win, which was nice. I know some people uh, did get get the half a point, which was nice. Uh, for me, it was really nice to get that half a point, but a majority kind of a push. You, minus a three, was a push. And, you know, I had that feeling in me where you go, I should have known. I should have known, but it sucked me in. I was not kidding when I started to say maybe the Bears could could make a run here in the playoffs. This puts the death nail in them. It, it, the way that they went out at the end when Mooney almost caught it was just, uh, oh, man, that was a killer for me as well. But at the end of the day, look, this is probably the best for Bears fans. I could not be more impressed, though, with the Cleveland Browns. And we're going to talk about Miles Garrett. We're going to talk about the defense, and everyone's going to go crazy about them. Do you realize that the Cleveland Browns are dealing with backups to backups to backups? Joe Flacco was on his couch like two weeks ago. But that's not it. It's not like they have Nick Chubb running the ball. Jerome Ford is back there, guys. You know, this Browns team, you want to talk about coach of the year. Kevin Stefanski's got to be up there. You, you give me Deshaun Watson. Then you give me, uh, you know, his backup goes down. Then Dorian Robinson goes down. And now I got Joe Flacco. And Chubb went down earlier in the year. And I got four. I mean... What the Browns have done is simply, one word, impressive. And I was impressed with the way they won the game today. They were beaten. They were thoroughly beaten, yet they come out on top to move to 9-5. and 9-5, fi- and five, Chris. This is a Cleveland this Brown a Cleveland team that Brown I can't that even I believe, believe Tommy, Tommy, is sitting at 9-5 and, five and five with, the with the revolving door of signal callers that have been, been, you know, at the helm for the Cleveland Browns, from Dorian Thompson-Robinson and beyond, right? Uh, It is rather astounding. Now, look, we understand that the Cleveland Browns, you know, they hang their hat on that top-notch defense that they have there up there in northern Ohio. But in this matchup specifically, obviously Flacco, you know, early on in this game, and, you know, going into the second half, I mean, they were beating them. Themselves, right? I mean, there was, you know, interceptions all over the place. Flacco threw three picks in the game, and then yet is able to kind of overcome them. I mean, I guess that's what you expect, right? From a from a from a grizzled vet, you know, all of thirty-eight years old, go out there and make the, you know, that the handful of just flat-out brilliant throws that he made in the closing minutes to rally Cleveland down from that ten-point deficit. And and this is a Brown team that's what won six games by four points or fewer. So they clearly know how to play in tight, close games. And Joe Flacco. As, Flacco, as you pointed out, look, pointed he was, out, what, 11 of 13 in the fourth quarter? And then he had, of course, that 51 uh, uh, yard touchdown pass to Amari Cooper, which was in which tight was coverage. In tight coverage. And that's what Flacco and could do. The guy can still sling it. He still has a nice spiral. And and then Cleveland gets the ball back with you know just under two minutes left in the game. And two passes completed to you know David Njoku for 65 yards. Sets up Hopkins go ahead kick. So, um, 
Uh, and then you got the Chicago Bears there at the end of the Ellis pull-off. Unbelievable type tap-off finish there where Justin Fields, you know, lobs that pass from the 45-yard line in the end zone into a plethora of players, Tommy Barton. And you get two Cleveland players, they kind of bat them all down. And then Daryl Mooney almost does the improbable when he's laying on his back. And then, of course, bounce out of his hands and DeAnthony Bell of intercepting it but uh yeah as you pointed out i was at a uh, local sports book here in las vegas and uh hang out with some other people that actually were on the browns in this game and uh i gotta tell you man i mean we thought we were uh all lost when they were down 10 points i didn't like i had no expectations whatsoever that the browns team was going to be able to find a way to uh to come back and win this game but uh they did the improbable and uh End up uh, for a lot of us covering by the hook. Uh, Let me ask you this: (laughs) Is it? I'm gonna. I'm not gonna make a statement. Uh, So not really ask. I'm gonna make a statement. I want you to either push back or agree with me. The Cleveland Browns, for people outside of Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns were the most unlikable team coming into the season. The team that everybody wanted to fail. The team that everybody wanted to root against because of the Deshaun Watson situation, right? Um, uh, Kareem Hunt last year. They were just uh, strictly unlikable. Miles Garrett swinging a helmet and stuff like that. Yeah. Are they yeah. now the most likable team because of what they had to go through? Because of Joe Flacco? Because of Ford? Because of, of all of that? Did they go from the most unlikable to the most likable? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No. No. Uh, look, uh, there's still people... Come on, uh, Chris. Have a heart. Yeah, How are you not rooting for Flacco? Tommy, there's people that are even solid NFL fans. NFL fans. That can't pick that Kevin Stefanski out of out of a lineup, right? I mean, this is a team <laughs> team that you're not that going you're to. Not going I'm, I'm telling you, I'm the telling quarterbacks you, are quarterbacks not going to strike fear into you. Now, look, we get it. Defensively, they're solid, right? And they have pieces on offense that that can be at times very good. Very good. But no, I, I'm, but not no I'm not under any illusion any whatsoever, whatsoever that when you're talking about the cream of the crop in the AFC, I don't put the Cleveland Browns there. And yes, I see their record. We all get it. Okay, They're 9-5. Nine and five. But, you know, I mean, again, I, got, I go back to what I was saying as far as like this game early on. I mean, you can't beat yourself like that, especially when it comes to playoff time. You can't be, you know. Now, look, I get one of them, you know, the receiver goes off his hands and ends up getting tipped and the guy takes it back to the house for a touchdown. But you just cannot have those kind of misuse. When when, when it really, when it counts, really counts come playoff time, come playoff so, time. so I am not uh, someone who's uh, necessarily, uh, necessarily going to start waxing start poetic on all things Cleveland Browns, Tommy. And yes, you're exactly correct. You talked about kind of the perception of this team going back to the offseason and early on in the season. And while while a few people maybe are are kind of glossing them a little bit, I still think the the overall sentiment. Sentiment. When it comes to the Cleveland comes Browns, Cleveland is that, Browns, uh, that uh, we kind of hope they're an also. What about the Bears? Um, you know, Chicago Bears, it, it, the season's over, okay? I mean, we know it. They take on the Cardinals next week. They'll be a three-point, three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. It, it doesn't matter. They get the number one overall pick, I, I, or it's pretty locked in. It's going to be Caleb Williams or Drake May. Justin Fields did nothing today to convince me that he should stay, but – he did nothing to convince me that he shouldn't stay. I mean, it's a, it's a shame because I think I would keep Justin Fields. 
But I think it comes down to simply that rookie contract, Chris. I will tell you today, I am pretty sure that Justin Fields is no longer a Chicago Bear. Interesting, Interesting because, because, I mean, there's kind of discussions on both sides of this. I hear it, you know, when, it, you, when know, you, know, you hear talking heads, heads breaking down all things Chicago Bears. You know, there's people that are in the camp that say Justin Fields has all the tools to be a dual-threat quarterback in the NFL and be a big-time player. And those same people are saying, hey, when you got high draft picks going into this 2024 draft, they should take absolutely a look at a Marvin Harrison, right, with the number one you know, overall pick. And so... Uh, there's uh, that kind there's of, that uh, kind of uh, approach, I guess, approach, is the word I'm going to use when it comes to the Chicago Bears. There's Chicago also, Bears. but there's, there's also some detractors out there, right? Out there, there's right? also people out there that are saying, hey, saying, hey, you know, go after Caleb you know, Williams or, you know, or possibly, you know, Justin Fields. Maybe he isn't a, you know, a franchise quarterback and they should possibly move on from him. But, you know, look, you know, as a Detroit Lions fan, I'm not going to sit and act like I'm an expert on all things Chicago Bears and what exactly they should do. But, uh, but uh, I, understand I understand the kind of a Jekyll and Hyde sentiment that goes into it when it comes to the Bears because there are, are times when they are, uh, they are they're absolutely they're formidable, formidable, right? Obviously, right? I know that as a Lions fan firsthand, seeing what happened in that game last week. But 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 there's still, I mean, there's a question as to whether or not Matt Eberflus is going to be back next year. I would probably tend to lean towards the camp of he's probably going to be back. Uh, especially to finish uh, off the rest of the, the final three games strong. But there's a lot of question marks, question I guess, marks, is what I'm trying to say about the Bears. And so, uh, so uh, I think it's very difficult to say anything definitively about this team moving this forward team because there just there just is so many things that you can put a question mark next to. Browns will be on the road getting about a point against the Texans. Let's let's talk about the Texans, shall we? Look, overtime win. Without Stroud, without Dell, they, they were, oh, look at this. My, my Alexa is going off. Alexa, stop. Do you hear that one? This is why I hate technology, <laughs> we can't, guys. No, you got, you got your, you got your, you got your boisterous your voice going, my friend. So you want to hear any of that <laughs> This is why I can't stand technology. For years, I didn't want technology in my house because I was like, they're listening to me. Um, mm-hmm. So the Texans win 1916 in overtime. No CJ Stroud, no Dell. Uh, Schultz wound up suiting up, which is good. No Will Anderson. This is a great, gritty win for a team that is really looking to take that next step up. They go to 8-6. and six. They effectively eliminate the Titans on the road, a division foe, their, their chances this year. 19-16. I can't speak highly enough about what the Texans have done, about who they are. I, I, I just think it's fantastic. And the big joke has always been Derrick Henry against the Texans, You know, especially you fantasy community guys know this out there. Uh, Henry gets the Texans. He's running for 100 yards every day, and he's running for 200 in most days. Yeah, he 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 ran for like nothing. When I say nothing, I mean he had zero yards going into like the fourth quarter. It was pathetic. You gotta love what the Houston Texans did, despite all their problems. Yeah, speaking of those problems, yeah, right, Tommy? Problems, right, Tommy? Nico Collins, Nico out, Collins out, right? One of their top right, receivers. Top receiver. You got right tackle got George right Fant out. out. You got you're talking about defensive you starters, defensive starters, you know. Obviously, you know, including Will Anderson Jr., right? Not there. And yet, uh, Case Keenum and company, my friend, in his first start since week 17 of the 2021 season for 
those Cleveland Browns we talked about. And uh, and, uh, look, he shook off that pick six there by Elijah Molden there early. And also, you know, he was on his back four times in this game, too. But he goes out there and throws for, you know, a modest 229 and a touchdown. And, you know, you know, Keenan was a big reason why the Texans in this game outgained the Titans by almost 2-1 to in this game. So, that's three. That's uh, that's uh, three straight starts, three straight starts uh, for Houston. Uh, for Houston, you know, uh, and, uh, and uh, you got to, you know, got to, look, you know, when you're talking about Case Keenum, right? Thirty-five, 35 year old vet, vet, second stint with the Tex- Texans. Texans. Uh, this guy's been uh, what guy's seven, been NFL, seven teams NFL teams in his career, and he and said he has the mindset for this. He's he's kind of used to this. He's able to kind of deal with it, right? So, I that's something that you know that that they can look forward to. Now, on the other side of things, obviously, the Texans, elimination, right? You're 5-9. Five and nine. Five and nine. Uh, You're no longer in playoff uh, no contention, longer in now. contention now. Uh, and this is the uh, second, straight second straight season in which you've had a losing record a losing under Mike Rabel. So, I uh, don't know how much of a doubt that puts on, on his head in this game. But you had Will Levis, who had to lead the game, right, in overtime after being blasted. For the, for seventh, the time, seventh time, and he gets his leg gets caught his underneath, leg caught you know, him in a pile. And, uh, and the guy uh, couldn't even put pressure on the leg, Tommy. So we'll see exactly what the, uh, the injury entails the there. But, entails uh, there. but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, absolutely uh, the Houston Texans, I mean, you talk about surprises here in 2023-24. The Houston Texans are the top of the list there as far as not just their team, but obviously with C.J. Stroud. Uh, when he was healthy, what he was able to do out there was pretty astounding. By the way, uh, what a disgrace with the uniforms. I, that's all I'm saying about it. The Titans, yeah. they'll be getting two points next week uh, as of right now against the Seahawks. Last game here, we got about five minutes. I don't want to waste time on this. And then hour number two, we'll finish it off. I don't want to waste too much time on this game. Falcons season is over because they lose to Carolina in the most boring, ridiculous game of all time. Unless you had the under, then it was a great game. I never believed in Desmond Ritter. I never believed in the Falcons this year. I think they have a bad coach. I think they have a bad head coach. Uh, I'm sorry, a bad coach, a bad quarterback. And you're not winning with a bad coach and a bad quarterback. As for Carolina, uh, Bryce Young may not be the guy, but I'm not willing to just throw it all away. He has no help on that team. I do like the defense, however. And I like that they, you know... They come to play. So there are some positives there. It's a situation here where I didn't really pay too much attention to the game. I didn't care about the game. Nobody should care about the game. Next week, Falcons take on the Colts. Falcons are somehow a favorite in that game. And you're going, okay, I mean, their season's over. How do you think that these guys are going to go out there and react in a spot like that? And, and, you know, the Carolina Panthers are going to be getting about six points at home from the Packers. Yeah, quick note on the yeah, uh, note on Atlanta the, uh, Falcons. Atlanta you cannot Falcons win, football, cannot win games football games if you're the you're ATL with, uh, with uh, a running game running that was 31, 31 carries, carries for 52 yards, 52 yards and an average of 1.7 on, on the ground, the ground Tommy. Tommy. That is that not is going not to cut going it. To cut Desmond Ritter wasn't Desmond exactly wasn't electrifying exactly either. 152 yards, a touchdown. He's terrible. He's terrible. So, uh, so uh, th- look, this is Atlanta. Look, Tommy. I mean, I, I mean, what's your what's your deal when it comes to Arthur Smith? I'm just, I, I'm not sold on this guy. I don't think he's a head coach. I think that uh, he's not. I'm, I'm, I'm he's just, not a head coach, and they don't have a quarterback. I am not no. uh, somebody that's going to be uh, all kinds of. Uh, 
uh, drop in positivity when it comes to Arthur Smith as a head coach in the league. Chris, he's a terrible head coach. They have a terrible quarterback. It's a mess. He completely misused B. John Robinson. He completely misused Kyle Pitts. He's completely misused Drake London. Your, your three best players on your team, Robinson, Pitts, and London, are an offensive coordinator's dream, are a head coach's dream. He has misused all three of them for years now. This isn't just a B. John Robinson thing. Kyle Pitts is still talented. I don't want to hear why they can't. No, no, no. You can't look at a head coach and tell me that he has he could go out there and ruin three premier players, premier talents, we'll say, um, ruin three premier, premier talents with multiple quarterbacks. It's not like this is just a Ritter problem, right? Heineke had a problem as well. So, yeah, it, look, if you're Atlanta and, and you know, you're uh, Mr. Home Depot out there, fire Smith, go get a quarterback, and Atlanta can own this division for a while. I mean, they really can. They can put themselves in a very, very good spot. As of now, the season's over this year. All right, Chris, let's take our time out here at the top of the hour. When we get back, we will talk about the rest of the games. we got a couple of three, four more games to talk about. We will preview the Monday nighter, and we're going to talk about playoff scenarios. It gets real interesting when we start talking about playoff scenarios. I want to hear who Chris is on board with. I'll tell you who I'm on board with and make sure that we go over everything. All that and more right after this, right here on Heat Wave Sports. <laughs> 